like you to open your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to be in the New Testament book of Luke. And it would be helpful to keep your finger there this morning because we're going to be taking trips through the book of Matthew and we're going to go into the book of John. And we're going to come back to Luke as we continue in our chronological series focusing on the life of Jesus. And the series just simply called, It's All About Jesus. In this series, we're looking at the life of Jesus Christ, but we're, we're looking at it as it happens, as life happens, and taking different stops along the way. And sometimes we see new people in the story. We see new people in the editorial and, and, and in the content. And it gives us an opportunity to see how other people, the characters of the New Testament, interact with Jesus and to see what importance they play in the gospel story. Today is one of those messages where we're going to meet a very important messenger. But we're not going to see Jesus as the main character in this story as we did last week. Last week we saw Jesus at the temple when he was 12 years old. In the chronological life of the Bible, or, or as the story unfolds, this is the next piece of content that we come to. And we realize that even though Jesus is not the main character that we're looking at today, it still is all about Jesus. Back in December, we started our sermon series called Simply Christmas. And that's really where this chronological timeline began was in the Christmas story. And, and we read about the importance of the birth of John the Baptist. His, an angel told Zechariah, his, his father, that the life of his son was going to be really important. And Luke records that in Luke chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Luke says that the angel told Zechariah, and he will turn many Israelites back to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. So that's what Zechariah was told about his son. The Bible gives us this introduction to John the Baptist on the day he was born or before he was born, but then we don't hear anything about John the Baptist for 30 years until we come to our story today. This is when he is grown into a man. He is living in the desert and he's baptizing people who are coming out to the desert to see him. That's the next time that we see John the Baptist. There's actually many lessons that we could learn from John the Baptist and today we're going to focus on on four areas to focus on the on the ministry, the early ministry of John the Baptist. We can say that John the Baptist was a was God's appointed messenger. We can say that John the Baptist was a preacher who was laser-focused on his message. He was somebody who didn't care about social status of people. He didn't care if you were rich or if you were poor. And he was a man who was deeply uncompromising in his message. He would not budge. There's a fifth and a bonus trait about John the Baptist that we'll talk about a little bit. John was, for, for his time period, John was, he was flat out weird. He was a little strange. In Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 3, we, we get to look at, at what would have made John the Baptist be so strange at the time. 
Follow along with me, Matthew chapter 3, we're in verse number 4. Matthew says, John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. By anyone's account, the attire of this man, the, the, the clothing that he wore, coupled with his exotic diet, was certainly untraditional. It really would have been something that, that would have caught your eye. In our day and age, if you know anyone who is... You know anyone who's vegetarian or vegan, right? So if you know that about somebody, it almost kind of defines them a little bit, right? It's like, oh yeah, this is my friend Bobby and, and she's vegetarian or she's, well, same kind of thing here. I'm sure when people saw John snacking on these overgrown crickets, they would probably remember the exotic nature of this man, right? You know what though? John, John really didn't care. He had one mission in life. John's job was to tell people that the Messiah was coming. That was John's job. Turn with me to the book of Luke. We're in chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse number 2. Isaiah, can you bring me down just a little bit? Just a little bit? Thank you. We're going to... As we come now to see how John the Baptist was an essential part of the ministry of Jesus in this message that I've titled, Crying in the Wilderness. Read with me in Luke chapter 3, we're in verses 2 through 6. At this time, a message from God came to John, the son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. And John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord's, for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains will be, and hills will be made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. About 800 years before John the Baptist started baptizing people in the Jordan River, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. We find Isaiah's work in our Old Testament. And in Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah writes about someone who is going to come and play the role of a man, of one who is crying in the wilderness. He says this person is going to be a forerunner for the Messiah. He's going to tell people that the Messiah is coming. Back in those days, if a king were to visit a city, to visit a town, there would be this caravan of dignitaries, caravan of soldiers. I want you to think back of, of a king sitting on a, on a throne that is on these, you know, there's guys that are carrying the king on their shoulders, right? So you've got soldiers out there in front, and you've got trumpeteers, and you've got guys holding the flags that are as the king comes down the road. And there's somebody at the very front of that caravan of people, and this guy's job is to announce to everyone that the king is coming. This job is called a herald. A herald is the man who would, who would unscroll the scroll and he says, announcing the king is now entering your town. And 
whatever else he would say, right? But that was his job was to announce. John the Baptist was the herald to Jesus. The word herald simply means to announce. Remember the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? I struggled with that for years as a kid. I really did. I thought the angel's name was Harold. It's not. It's saying, hark, it's saying, look, the angels are singing the announcement of Jesus. They were announcing Jesus' coming. Harold is to announce. See, to be the one crying in the wilderness, crying not like sobbing, but to be crying out loud and to be telling people, hey, listen. The Messiah is coming. This is exactly what Isaiah had prophesied, that a man would come and prepare the way for the Lord, not to make a name for themselves, but to prepare the way for Jesus. Point number one in your notes this morning. The job of John the Baptist was to shine a light away from himself and onto the Messiah. John's job was to be a light and to let other people know that the Messiah is coming. I want you to remember in this day and age, religion is power. If you can control the religion, you can control the people. And people in power don't like giving up their power. So as John is out at the river baptizing people, many of the Jews start to worry about this man, and, and, and they're like, okay, we don't really know what's going on, but like, there's Jewish people that are going from the town out there to the river to see this guy. Something's going on. We need to know what's going on here and exactly who he is and what he's doing. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 1. Verses 19 through 23. Now, just really quick, we're turning to the book of John. This is a different John. The author is John, the disciple, and later the apostle, and the author of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. John the Baptist is not the author. He's a character. He's a herald in this, in this story. If you can imagine one day, John the Baptist is in the Jordan River. He is baptizing people, and he looks up, and he sees well-dressed dignitaries from the temple. He sees religious leaders who are coming up to the river. And they're going to start questioning him. Let's look at this conversation. We're in John chapter 1, verse number 19. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well, then who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. I am the voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. So here we have this weird guy who eats bugs and lives in the wilderness, and the Jews from the city are flocking to him to be baptized. They're coming to him, 
and, and listening to what he has to say. John is not royalty. John the Baptist is not part of the religious elite. John the Baptist is not a Pharisee. He's not a Sadducee. He's not a priest. He's not even the church janitor. This is getting a little bit odd for the guys in the church, in the temple, when the people from their church are going out to see this guy. But the crowds of people were, were starting to go and see him for religious reasons, and he's becoming somewhat popular. And that's what draws the attention of the priests and the rabbis and the religious leaders to go out and see him and see what this is all about. And the questions from the priests are, are as if they're putting John on trial. They're familiar with the scriptures, or what we call our Old Testament. They're familiar with what John is saying. They know Isaiah 40, and so does John. So when they hear this guy in the desert or in the wilderness, which is prophesied about, and this starts to set off alarm bells in their mind. Be like, okay, is this the guy we're waiting for? Remember, at this time in our story, Jesus has not declared his public ministry yet. The, the, the Jews in this time, they've gone 400 years without hearing anything from God. And all of a sudden, here's a guy out in the wilderness that kind of is meeting some things that they're seeing in, in the scriptures. We have to go and check this out, right? If you're a temple leader, you'd rather know exactly what's going on and control the situation rather than have some new religious guy come in and turn the people's faith, right? So they ask John who he is, and John basically tells them, I'm not the Messiah. This is what John says. He says, before I tell you who I am, it's important that I tell you who I'm not. I'm, I'm not the Messiah. That's not who I am. And that answer, it's not, it's not up to the satisfaction of those who are asking John. These men came to see him. They needed to know who John is. And John went straight to the scripture, and he gave them something they would recognize from the book of Isaiah, as we read earlier. And he says, I'm the one crying in the wilderness. It's, it's to clear the way because the king is coming. So now he has the, the church leaders here, and he's telling them. I'm the guy who's coming to tell you that the king is coming. Now, here's something important. At this time, John the Baptist doesn't even know who Jesus is. We are before the time that John has actually baptized Jesus. We're going to get there next week. But John has not recognized who Jesus is. So he, John's ministry is saying that the king is coming, the Messiah is coming. I can't tell you who he is, but he's coming. That's what I'm supposed to do, is to tell you. What John's saying is that it's not about me. It really doesn't matter who I am. It matters who he is. He says, I'm not the one you're waiting for, but I'm announcing that the one you're waiting for is coming. I'm even announcing the one I'm waiting for is coming. I'm not sure who he is yet, but I know I need to announce he's coming. He's here. And we're going to find him, and you need to be ready. Many of us are familiar with, um, you ever been somewhat familiar with uh, the employees at the store? You go to a grocery market, the grocery store, and maybe you see the same checker on a regular basis, right? Used to be back in the day, you know, you know your mom knew every one of those checkers, right? 
and mom would talk to them and know about their kids, right? It's a little bit different these days. But the, the people who work in the store, we get to know them, maybe have small conversations at checkout. They are trained, they are really good at smiling. They're really good at being helpful. They're really good at, at maybe asking questions to see how your day is going. They're really good at being the stars of the store. For the most part, these are the ones that, that we associate with the store, but they're not the only people. They're the people we see, and, but yet there's support that they have. There's people we don't see. See, once the store closes, a whole different group of people come in. And these people, they stock shelves, they mop the floor, they bring the products forward, they, they fill in the slots with new product that's going to be sold the next day. And, and sometimes early in the morning, if, if you get there and some of the night crew is, is leaving and you would ask them a question, and they might tell you something like, you know what, um, I'm not quite exactly sure, but let me get somebody who can help you. And they'll grab somebody from, from day shift that can come over. Because you know what? Some people are really, really good at being behind the scenes, right? John the Baptist was really good at working behind the scenes. That was his job. His job was not to shine a light on him. He is supposed to shine a light on Jesus. And at this particular moment, he's shining a light on somebody that he doesn't know his name. He's saying, it's not about me. It's about the Messiah who's coming. The king is coming. Matter of fact, Jesus tells us later on, once the two have met and Jesus understands and knows the ministry of John the Baptist, John tell, or Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, he says that John the Baptist is the greatest person who ever lived. It's pretty amazing. Matthew eleven eleven, 11, he says, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Yet, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus is saying John the Baptist is the greatest person on earth. But when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, even the least is greater than John. We knew that John the Baptist had a done really good job keeping the spotlight off of himself. John knew that it wasn't about him. John knew that it was all about Jesus. Sometimes at a church we can get caught up in the business side of church and the ministry of church and, and having the idea of having the biggest building and having the most people and having the best worship band and having the coolest lights or the most amazing fog machine. But Sometimes even Christians need to, reminded that, need to be reminded that it's not about us. Amen? The message of the church is not about the church. The message of the church must be all about Jesus. John knew what his job was, and in order to do his job properly, he had to get his point across to people. Come back with me into the book of Luke. We're in chapter 3, verse number 7. In Luke 3, 7, Luke writes, When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You broad of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? 
prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we are safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. The message of John was an important message. It was so important because he was announcing the message of the Messiah Point number two in your notes, the message of John the Baptist was focused on repentance of sins. You've seen that old man in movies who stands on the street corner with long hair and a sandwich board sign that says, the end is near, right? You know the crazy guy I'm talking about? Yep, you know who that is? John the Baptist. Not exactly John the Baptist, but John the Baptist would have been the guy who everyone looked at as a little bit crazy, who is saying, the king is coming, the king is coming, repent of your sins, the king is coming. And that's what he is doing. There's people who would come out and, and, and to see him, and they thought simply because they're Jewish. They're like, hey, I'm cool, I'm Jewish. Like, I'm saved, right? And John says, no. Your family tree is not going to save you. He says, no, that's not the way it works. He is literally saying, repent of your sins because the end is near. And he calls everyone, he calls everyone like, you're just a family of snakes. He says, you need to repent of your sins. But John says, prove it by your actions. John would baptize people by full immersion. That, that, that means you're entirely going into the water and coming out in, in the river. And it's this proclamation of people repenting of their sins and turning back to God. He says, okay, you are going into the water, a sinner. You're leaving your sins. You're coming out. We would say today you're coming out as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But at the time, John doesn't know that part of the story yet because it hasn't happened. But he's saying you're repenting of your sins and this is a public demonstration that you are coming back to God. Baptism was a sign. It was a demonstration of a commitment. It's an act that's performed to show other people of someone's commitment to God. The baptism that John performed was as if he were issuing a as if he was issuing a uniform. Follow me here. Our modern-day military, if you were to go and sign up for the military, you'd go into an office and you'd sign some paperwork and you would take a pledge. And you'd raise your right hand and you'd repeat the words back to the lady. And, and now you are officially a member of the military. But a few days later, somebody is going to issue you a uniform. It's going to fit the pants fit, shirt fits. But this uniform is going to be a demonstration. It is showing others that you have made a commitment. You've made a commitment to the military. You now are part of this particular group. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be somewhat difficult if our military were to go to work on the battlefield and no one was wearing a uniform, either sides of a conflict, they were just wearing flip-flops and t-shirts. Wouldn't it be a little bit difficult? Wouldn't it also be a little bit difficult if Christians went out into the battlefield and didn't have a uniform on? 
if Christians went out to tell others about Jesus, but they didn't look any different, they didn't act any different, they didn't, they, they, they had no direction that was any different, there was nothing that was differentiating them from the rest of the, from the, rest of the world. Wouldn't that be a little difficult for non-Christians to recognize who we are? In our modern day, baptism is a demonstration of a commitment of those who are giving their life back to God. We're going to hold that demonstration next week here. It's a time to invite family, to invite friends, take pictures as we're going to celebrate with you because it is a public it is a public demonstration an outward expression of an inward change John made this point to the audience to his audience telling him your last name is not going to save you you might be a Jew you might be a descendant of Abraham it's not going to do it Your family won't save you. Your works won't save you. That big church that you go to on Sundays won't save you. John would say it's all about Jesus. He didn't even know who Jesus was at the time. It's all about the Messiah. He's coming. The King is coming. As a matter of fact, the message of John was focused on repentance of sin with baptism, but the ministry of Jesus, we learn more about the salvation of Christ's atoning blood on the cross, paying the price for us. That was a part of the gospel message that John didn't have at this point. And John the Baptist actually had disciples. There were men who would learn under him and would go on to preach to other people and spread the message of John and and the baptism and the repentance of sins around the world. Luke writes about one of these men, a gentleman by the name of Apollos. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 1. I'm going to put it up on the screen. When Priscilla and Aquila meet Apollos in the city of Ephesus, Luke writes this. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. What John was preaching, this baptism of repentance of sins, it went so far. It said, you're baptized, you are repenting of your sins and coming back to God. The message of following Jesus Christ and accepting the gift of his atoning blood on the cross was not part of John's baptism at this point because that hasn't happened yet. That's the point that eventually, and we'll get to that story in Acts, that's what Aquila and Priscilla are going to teach Apollos. They're going to say, that's not the end of the story. Yes, you're going to repent of your sins and baptism is, a, is this demonstration, but the blood of Christ is our salvation, Amen. John was baptizing and spreading the message that the Messiah was going to be coming and that you need to repent of your sins and be baptized. And I think, isn't it interesting that before Jesus started his public ministry that God sent a messenger to tell people that the Messiah is coming and to repent of your sins and be baptized and come back to God. And now I think 
that it's amazingly interesting that today in our world, God has sent you and I as messengers to tell people that the Messiah is coming back to repent of your sins and be baptized and to come back to God. We've got the same job as John the Baptist. We're just on the other side of the cross. But would it be safe to say that our job as heralds is to tell other people that the king is coming? To tell other people to come back to God? That's our job. And when we tell other people about the Messiah, people have... Sometimes they're going to have the same questions that they would have had for John. People need to know, okay, well, what, what, what's next? Let's pick up the action. Luke chapter 3, we're in verse 9. John said, even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked, well, what should we do? And John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? And he replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Some soldiers asked. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. See, John's message was not simply for a select group of people. He's talking to soldiers who probably would have been, would have been Romans. He's talking, to, he's talking to tax collectors who would have been, probably would have been Jews, but would have been looked down upon because they would, they would take more money the job of a tax collector, get what the government tells you to take and then take whatever you can get and keep it for yourself. John's telling people, if you've got a coat, if you've got two, give it to somebody else. Stop ripping people off. Point number three in your notes, the heart of John the Baptist was open to loving all people. The commands that John gave to his audience were meant for his listeners to start showing the characteristics of Jesus. He says, take care of the poor, love those who are hard to love, don't rip people off, give food to the hungry. Luke had described that tax collectors even asked what to do. He's like, hey... Don't take any more money than your job requires. Why are you doing this? John's basically telling them, start loving other people. John's saying, in a way, this is the message that Messiah is going to bring. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. Loving your neighbor as yourself and... God says, you know, love one another. It's a major theme of the ministry of Jesus. And John the Baptist is, is, is almost priming. He's not only telling us that the king is coming, he's telling us this is a major theme. This is a big deal. I want you to pay attention to this. It demands that you put yourself first when you're following Jesus, right? It demands that you don't put yourself first, that you put others first when you're following Jesus, right? That's what John's trying to get across from, to other people. 
Don't, he says, don't fall into the trap. In our modern day world, we can fall into the trap of looking at others who are different than us and treating them as if they're different than us, right? Sometimes it's easy to find ourselves in a position of power, maybe a little bit of power, and, and then maybe you take a little bit off of the top because it might benefit us, but it hurts other people. We live in this me-first society that, that strives for self-sufficiency and it demands that you make yourself number one. Somebody else gets something after you're taken care of. Make sure your needs are met first. That's not the message of Jesus and it wasn't the message of John the Baptist. When we walk away from church, are we walking away the same way that people would have left these messages from John the Baptist when they would have walked away from the river? Are we out looking for people who we can love or are we looking for a way that we can get ahead? See, John's saying, if you're getting baptized here and now you're walking home from the wilderness, that's a different person walking home than the person that walked here. Life changes now. Sometimes loving people isn't easy. Sometimes it's hard to love the corrupt tax collector. Sometimes it's hard to love the soldier who forces money from us or the person you thought was a really good friend and you trusted with secrets until you realize that maybe they turn around and throw you under the bus and just kind of trample you, right? It's kind of hard to love that person. But John the Baptist didn't tell us to feed the hungry if we like them. He didn't tell us to give our brother a coat only if we can tolerate them. He simply told us to love others. Jesus told us to love others because... Because it's the message of the Messiah. And John knew that it's all about Jesus. Finally, the leaders who would come to question John would wonder, who gave you permission? Who told you that you could come out here? Whose authority are you under to come out here and take the religious people and baptize them and make them walk away feeling joyous as if they've come back to God. Who are you to do that? Follow me back into the book of John. This will be up on the screen. John 1.24. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you weren't the Messiah or Elijah the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? I'm going to go to the book of Luke chapter 3 to answer his question. John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with the winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into, its, into his barns, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Point number four in your notes, your final point this morning, the words of John the Baptist were uncompromising. The words of John the Baptist were uncompromising. John is speaking now to religious leaders. He is speaking to the higher-ups. He is speaking to guys who can really command soldiers to, hey, can you get rid of this 
guy who eats bugs out there because he's messing things up. Does John care? No. John cares about people, and he didn't care who you were. He knew that the message of the Messiah needed to be shared, and whether you were rich or you were from the temple or you were from the trenches, it didn't matter. He was not going to compromise the message for anyone. He had to get the point across. John was not going to compromise the message of the Messiah for anyone. See, John didn't sugarcoat anything. His message was strong. And not everyone was going to follow the words of John, just like not everyone is going to follow the words of Jesus. And actually, John's words, and we'll see later this year, John's words and his his uncompromising message is going to cost him his life because he's not willing to let up. There are times in our world, in our lives, and even in a, the church when people you know will ask you to compromise the gospel to fit their needs. There are people who will ask you to lower yourself to maybe worldly standards just to satisfy their desires. They'll ask you to change your message, to cave, to step aside from the direction that God has for you. People might threaten you with the loss of, of, of friendships or relationships, or, or maybe they'll curse at you, and, or, or maybe they're just out to bring you down. People will purposefully ask you to compromise. John the Baptist wouldn't compromise. John's message was the same for the spiritually educated as it was for the new believer. He knew that his message was not meant to satisfy anyone. Rather, it was simply to do his job to remind people that it's all about Jesus. It's not about John the Baptist. As Christians, it's not about us. Amen? It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. At Paris Valley Community Church, it's something we won't compromise. We won't compromise the message. We won't compromise the scripture. We won't compromise on topics. Let me tell you, The Bible teaches on some things that are a little bit difficult to handle in our modern world. The Bible's got lessons on hell. It's got lessons that that are a little bit... The topics that pastors, like, sometimes you struggle with, tithing in hell, money in hell, those ones right there. If they're in the Bible, let me tell you, we're going to preach about them at this church, amen? We're going to teach the lessons that the Bible has given to us. I guess when you live in the desert and you look weird to other people and you wear camel's fur and you eat bugs, it really doesn't matter what people say about you as long as they know that your message points to Jesus. Next Sunday we're going to hold baptism here at the church. And we're going to give people the opportunity to make that public proclamation And show the world that you have turned back to God. Let me tell you, baptism doesn't save you. The uniform, 
The military uniform doesn't necessarily mean you're in the military. You can get something that looks like that at the Salvation Army and put it on. Are, are you in the military by wearing camouflage? No. But you're in the military if you're right, wearing the right camouflage, right? If you're wearing the right uniform. Baptism is this outward expression of an inward decision to come back to God and follow Jesus. And if you haven't been baptized, if you've come to the Lord and you haven't fulfilled this commandment of his, we would like to be able to to offer baptism for you next week. Come and talk to me. My phone number is in the bulletin. Uh, Call me there during the week as well. Because we stand and we baptize because our belief in Jesus is uncompromising. The vision of this church is uncompromising. The mission of our church is uncompromising. At Paris Valley Community Church, it is all about Jesus.